This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. We've been talking about love and the fact that if we belong to a community, if we love God, it's going to become messy. <laughs> um, it's going to become tough. And you're going to be set up with offenses, you're going to be set up with stuff so that you can learn what it means to love unconditionally. Um, it's, it's tough, um, tough to be part of a church because there's nothing that binds us except Christ and the Holy Spirit. Uh, because even if I just look across this room, there are so many different people, different cultures, different races, different ages, different... It's, it's, this is a miracle that a group of people would come together not to play tennis or rugby or around that, but to come actually unite around the purpose and the calling of Christ. It's, it's a miracle. And so if it's man-made, then it will not last. But if it's around Scripture and the supremacy of Christ, then, wow, God will build His church. doesn't matter what happens. doesn't matter where the world, because the world, especially in the West, is becoming so liberal, so anti-biblical in so many ways. And, and yet the church is prevailing, the church is growing, the church is multiplying, the church is healthy, the true church of Jesus. There's a lot of man-made things and there's a lot of, you know, psyching people up and a lot of stuff like that. But um, So church is not for entertainment, if you didn't know that. We're not here to be entertained. If you've come here to be entertained, please, you're in the wrong church. If you've come here to be challenged and to grow, you're in the right church, <laughs> okay? Because that's going to take a, a whole tribe to get us to be more like Christ. And so um, I spoke about this last week, Sunday, with the students. But uh, Jesus comes in Matthew chapter 16, and he always addresses the issue of our heart first. And that's where we're going to start, as we're going to progress to talking a bit about communion. Matthew 16, verse 1 to 28, but I'm going to just read the first couple of verses. And then the Pharisees and the Sadducees came and testing him, asked that he would show them a sign from heaven. And he answered and said to them, When it is evening, you say, it will be fair weather, for the sky is red, and in the morning it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and threatening. Hypocrites! You know how to discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the times. A wicked and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet of Jonah. And he left them and departed. Now when he, his disciples had come to the other side, they had forgotten to take bread. And then Jesus said to them, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. The first time that these two groups come together because they didn't agree on anything. The resurrection of the dead, the not the resurrection of the dead, how you should do stuff. The Pharisees and the Sadducees never agreed on something. Except one thing, and that's the plot against Jesus to come against the work of Christ. And so, yeah, we have this moment where the disciples come and they realize, like, Jesus starts to talk to them about an issue because now these two groups have started to unite to actually take out Jesus. And that's why they say, give us a sign. And Jesus says, no, no sign will be given except the sign of the prophet of Jonah, which means that Jonah became the message, Jonah, for three days, the death and the resurrection of Christ. Jesus actually said, I am the message. If you're not going to believe me, don't look for a sign. Don't look for doctrine. Don't look for all the stuff around me. Look for me. I am the sign. I am the message of God. That's basically what he said. There's going to be no sign because if you're going to look for signs, hey, signs must, in any case, follow you as a believer. 
Look for Christ. Search for Christ. Be hungry for Christ. But now in the midst of this, he says, as these guys challenge him and say, give us a sign. Show, it, show to us that you are truly the message or truly the Messiah. Jesus says here in verse 6, take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And so verse 7, and they reasoned among themselves saying, it is because we have taken no, it is because we have taken no bread. But Jesus being aware of it said to them, Oh, you of little faith, why do you reason among yourselves because you have brought no bread? Do you not yet understand? Or remember that five loaves of the 5,000 and how many baskets you took up, nor the seven loaves of the 4,000 and how many large baskets you took up. How is it you do not understand that I did not speak to you concerning bread, but to beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees? And then they understood that he did not tell them to beware of the leaven of the bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. So Jesus addresses always, or he always comes to the issue of the heart. He always will challenge you, and he would ask you, what's the condition of your heart? Because there was these two religious groups, and you can go and study it yourself, but the Pharisees, they were um, always talking in terms of commands, rules, outward purity, ritual. That's why they were very tense on the Sabbath. They um, never focused on the inner state of the heart. They always focused on the outward. So they said, hey, be holy. Why should you eat on the Sabbath? You know, all that stuff. I don't know if you know the Jewish culture a bit, but when, when I was there in, in Israel, you know, you have two lifts, the one for the Gentiles and the one for the Jews. But it, it's so tense because on a Sabbath, which is normally from Friday to Saturday for the Jews, you are not even allowed to press the knoppy of the lift, you know, because that's work. You're not allowed to do any work. So you stand there in this lift, and I, I got it wrong the first time because I went into the wrong lift, you know. But now we're on fl- floor number 17 or 18, and it goes from floor to floor. One, and then it opens up, closes. Opens up the next floor number two, floor number three, <laughs> floor number four. You know, I think at floor number seven, I thought, like, the lift is broken, and then I got out and started to walk the stairs, you know, because I thought, like, why is this? And only later I realized... But it's because you're not allowed to work. So, so if you press the little knob or you press the little button, then it's work on the Sabbath. So, so it's very ritualistic, very traditional. The Jews, even today, the Orthodox Jews, um, the other lift just takes you up, you know. And I thought like, wow, you know, if you do stuff just on the outside, like the Pharisees, they were always judging Jesus on the outside. And Jesus says to the disciples, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. He later said, you brood of vipers. You know, you clean the outside of the cup, but the inside of the cup is dirty. The Sadducees, on the other hand, they were a wealthy group of aristocratic people. And they um, were always politically conniving. They were always connecting towards the outward. It was all about influence, all about, you know... Um, how do we connect with the Romans and how do we have peace with them so that we can rule and have a scheme and do a thing? Uh, it was sort of a different type of kingdom. And so, so Jesus says, beware of this leaven because what begins to happen in all of our lives is we become religious. We become ritualistic. We do stuff on the outside, either trying to impress people and especially in a town like ours. Status is so important. We even have it here on our WhatsApp, your status update. You know, how many likes did you get? You know, I was, I was sitting in a, with a group of young people the other day and everybody was just like going like, no, 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 no. You know, what's, did you check her status update? You know, and I thought like, oh, I haven't changed my status update in a year. Now, Shane, all these people are showing me how you should do stuff. And, you know, I think like status, what is your status? You know, 
And then it's normally a picture of you being on Table Mountain somewhere, or you being at the sea, or you eating this amazing food. You, you, you're trying to show people on the outside, like, hey, it's going so great with me. But I wonder how many people will put the condition of their heart on the status update. Wicked. I am wicked. You know, have you ever seen the status update like that? I'm not good. I'm filthy. I'm broken. I need help. <laughs> you know? Then people are going to say, oh, go to the psychiatrist immediately, you know. Have you seen, you know, have you, have you seen Petronella? She's, she, ooh, she's not in a good space, you know. But Jesus referred to this a lot. He says, as you go through life, disciples, as you're going to follow me, you need to beware because it's so easy that that stuff creeps into your heart and that what begins to happen is you begin to harden your heart. It's a leaven and you don't realize that leaven is there until it's crept in and suddenly your heart becomes unforgiving. It becomes bitter. You become offended. And especially with the church. I hear that every week. People say, no, you know, I don't, I don't like the church. You know, because the music is too loud or the people are to this or you guys are too prophetic. You raise up your hands, you know. Um, and so we so easily judge on the outside because it's easier to control your environment if you can judge people on the outside. If we can box people in, if we can say like, oh, those group and those group and those group. And especially when people start to bad mouth and speak about and slander and all that stuff. It's just, hey, we judge people on the outside so easily. And Jesus says, beware of that. Because what God does he drive? And oh, you know. Look at that guy, you know. Uh, green isn't so good on him, you know, and all that stuff, you know. He looks like a Oros Maniki or he does, I don't know, you know. He look, I, I got a great compliment this morning from, from somebody that told me green isn't my color. But in any case, so I forgave her. I just let her go. No, it's just because he said he doesn't look good on the video. I don't know, but I don't really care. So in any case, so, <clears throat> so the challenge for all of us, when you come to church, when you come to small group, when you come to a bunch of believers, when you come to God... Say, Lord, this wasn't nice. Is, you shouldn't all say like, oh, this was great worship. You should say, say like, Lord, are you pleased with my worship? Because worship is much more than just the songs we sing. The Lord said it so over and over. He says, hey, they worship me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. <laughs> Render your hearts, not your garments. But many times, I, and I'm, I'm just confessing, Okay. Many times I come in worship, but I'm more thinking about all the stuff that needs to happen at church, and I'm really thinking like, wow, is, am I worshiping God, or is it just another song I put into the CD player to have background music, or is my life a song to God? Is my life a surrender to God? Is everything I do worship, or is, has worship just become a couple of songs we sing on a Sunday and say, oh, I don't like that Jacobus car, you know. He sings the same thing over and over. I, I counted on Sunday seven times. We sang that first song seven times. Go over to the next one. Oh, the third song. That was really great. That was amazing. I connected. You know that Esty? She is so anointed because she's pregnant, you know. And a pregnant woman, you must just compliment because you don't want to get on a bad side. Amen, Stefan? Okay, can you say amen, amen, okay? There's going to be deliverance soon. But so, just not today, just not today. It's, it's still a month or so to go. But in any case, so, you know, the amazing thing is worship becomes not a couple of songs. And, and don't think because we sing songs like this that we are not religious. 
the charismatic church and Pentecostal church have become more religious because, you know, I, I heard somebody came to me a couple of weeks ago and said to me, no, he went to this church in another town and, you know, they play worldly music in the foyer just to attract the worldly people. And then when they come in, psych up, yeah, yeah, that's how they start worship. And I'm thinking like, sure. Are we trying to attract the world with the things of the world? And then church just looks like the pub around the corner. Or is it truly worship? And that's why Jesus always challenged people on the condition of their heart. What's going on in your heart? Are you, are you on fire for God? Are you growing? No, no, I've been in church for 20 years. I've, I've been following God. Don't tell me. Ah, <laughs> the moment when you stop growing, you're in trouble. But that's my seat. I've been sitting there for 35 years. Whoa. Sure. What if the coronavirus hits South Africa and we're not allowed to meet like this for a couple of months? What would your relationship with God look like? No, 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 but I come to church because that's my Bible study. Uh Uh-uh. This is not Bible study place. This is just celebration of a life surrendered to God. And so, so Jesus would, would talk about this many times. He would put stuff out there. He didn't argue with people. He just said like, and that's why he spoke in parables. It wasn't the best expository preaching, you know. I said it last week. Some people come and say, no, you know, this, we, we don't preach through the books of the Bible and therefore the church is off. I say like, well, what did Jesus do? He mostly told stories. <laughs> why? Because he wanted to invoke hunger so that people would say, I want to grow. So growth is not dependent on the church. Your growth on you alone and the community you belong to. Oh, otherwise you'll become a consumer. And so Jesus says, beware, because it's so easy that that creeps in because the outward rituals, the connections, wow, the church is great. You know, we, we as a church, we are 1,500 people and that's amazing. I'm connected, you know, and, and the pastor has, has my number on his cell phone, you know, dial a pastor, you know. But sorry, I'm going to offend you. I never answer the, my, my phone in any case, you know. That's what my wife even says to me. So hallelujah, you know, so I'm already in trouble. And so, so the challenge is, what's the condition of your heart? And Jesus always came back to that. The second question we need to ask is, what's the condition of the church? If you're going to talk about love, if you're going to talk about this is God's standard, is unconditional love, then, sure, we've become so familiar sometimes with the way we treat the church of God. Like I said, sometimes the church just becomes a shopping mall experience. Yeah, yeah, you know, there's not a good race today or good this or this. So I'm going to. And so what happens is Paul writes to the church at Corinth and he's talking about communion. And he's talking about the way they come together and the way they see things and the way they operate. And they talk about the body of Christ. Now, body, obviously, for some of us means different. You know, I have a, have a teenager, had a teenager, and there's another one becoming a teenager and all that stuff, you know. So a body may be different for you, but the modern day teenagers, the body looks like this. You know, there's an extra body part. You know, like. So I saw this girl walking past Merriman Avenue, and she does not, not over the zebra stripes, she just goes like, she doesn't even look where she's walking. She just goes like, 
And I said, like, whoa, you have an extra body part. <laughs> yeah. So some of us would refer differently, but, but most of us have like a normal body. And if you have a normal body, it means like you connected the body of Christ. And so in, in Corinthians, Paul writes to this group and he talks to them and he says, and he, and he starts really, really tough with them and he ends very tough. So it's quite a tough scripture. And I think one of the two things that the Lord has really told us as a church is that there are two sacraments. It's the one is baptism and the other one is Holy Communion. And when we do it properly, we'll experience not just God's joy, but also God's power in the church. Now, I'm not for, you know, the one of the guys said to me the other day, no, no, we didn't really have communion elements, so we just used uh, cream soda and donuts. Something like, ah, you know. It's, it's, it's so easy to do stuff that we just become familiar and we, we don't know how powerful some of the things is that God has given us as the church and for you. And communion is part of that. So firstly, I had to repent to the Lord and say, Lord, I should have preached this two years ago because the Lord told us baptism and communion. Now, last Sunday evening, we had baptism service and 20 people got baptized and it was just, wow, such a freedom, you know. But communion that we're going to do this morning is so important. Paul writes about this. He actually writes a couple of chapters to a church that is very divided. Very, there's a lot of groups, there's a lot of statuses, lots of stuff. And now if you understand a little bit of the background, the Romans in that time when he writes this, the Romans had like a a 10-day week and the the Jews had a 7-day week. So, So there was a... A clash of calendars, basically. And so the church would come together mostly in the evenings. Uh, every day they basically came together. But then they had this thing called a love feast. And when they come together on the love feast, everyone would bring food. And the idea was that everyone would share. And especially that the people in the church, would um, those who couldn't afford the poor people, they could just come. Uh, you just brought what you, what you had. You, know, you brought it as a, as a generous gift. So you brought... Enough food for lots of people. And so what he writes to them is he starts and, he, and, he's, and he's heard some rumors and he's sort of like rebuking them a little bit, but I want us to, to get to one or two of the principles. Are you with me this morning? Okay. Just wave at me if you're with me there at the back. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Verse 18 of 1 Corinthians chapter 11. For first of all, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you. And in part, I believe it. For there must also be factions among you that those who are approved may be recognized among you. Therefore, when you come together in one place, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in eating, each one takes his own supper ahead of others, and one is hungry and another one is even drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I do not praise you. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when in given thanks he broke it and said, Take it, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it, Not just in church, but do it as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Therefore, whoever eats this bread and drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner 
will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let the man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner, eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many even sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord, disciplined by the Lord, that we may not be condemned with the world. Therefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. But if anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, lest you come together for judgment, and the rest will sit in order when I come. So he writes a bit of a rebuke part to them, and he challenges them, and he says, because what happened is these guys, some of the rich guys, they brought all their food, and they went to sit in the corner, they just quickly started to eat before the poor people, because the poor people would normally work until a little bit later, so the rich people that had the nice sushi and all the great stuff, they were like, oh, let's, let's click together in the corner, come quickly, eat your stuff, and then we'll give some of our leftovers to the other people. And then the poor people came, and there was, there was such a division that it was actually spreading. There was actually a lot of stuff that he addresses in the, in the book of Corinthians, the first book of Corinthians. That's why it's called the book of order, because they were a charismatic church. They were operating the gifts. They were flowing in the fullness of God. They, so many exciting things were happening, but Paul says, hey, here's a, here's a tough thing for you. And here's a problem, the way you do the Lord's table. And the way you come together is you're not discerning the body of Christ. You're not living in that space where you realize like, hey, it's not about me. It's about us. It's about this group growing together. And now these group eating there and this group eating there and that group. There's so many divisions, but you don't understand. And he says, actually, it's, it's so tough that some of you have become sick. Some of you are actually spiritually dead because you don't understand the sacredness of the body of Christ. And so... Um, it's a challenge for us because we think in terms of I and me and myself and, and I'm going to church and I'm going to do that. But he, he talks about a couple of things. So his first thoughts, you can throw on the, the next slide. He says, Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper. And he wanted to tell us a couple of things. And he says, at the, on the night of his betrayal. So it wasn't like this great celebration. It was the day before the cross. Jesus brings in the sacrament and he says like, hey... As he gave thanks, he took the bread, he took the wine or the juice. The scripture doesn't really say, should it be wine, should it be juice, what type of bread. There isn't really prescriptions for that. But he comes with thanksgiving. And then he says, there's a couple of things when you come together. There's a couple of things when you, when what happens and what should in your, happen in your heart. You should examine your heart. The first thing that happens is he starts with remembrance. He says, this is a table, this is a place where we celebrate what Jesus has done. We celebrate the, the cross of Christ. We celebrate this life that he paid. And whenever you and I forget what Christ has done on the cross, then we're already backsliding. Can, can I say that again? Whenever you lo- lose the centrality of the cross and the message of the cross, we are backsliding. We're backsliding. We're focusing on the wrong stuff. Can I get an amen? Because the first couple of million years, you're going to just stand like, wow. We're going to worship him as the lamb that was slain. The centrality of the universe and of eternity will be the lamb of God who took away the sins of the world. Behold the lamb who takes away the sins of the world. (laughs) That's the first thing. That's the first introduction to Jesus in the New Testament. Behold the lamb. 
And so when the church starts to focus on the supernatural or how great our doctrine is or on all how great our coffee is or anything else around the centrality of Christ, we'll be in trouble. We'll lose the power. And so you'll see that in many churches today, people never speak about the blood of Jesus anymore. Have you thought, what is the power? We, these are old hymns. Power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. Huh? But we've lost that because, hey, it's just like another thing. Let's, let's, let's sing a new melody. I don't know about you, but sometimes some of the new songs, I think like, oh, no, I can't even. There's so many bridges. Some of them have been burned. Some of them have been broken up. You know, you, you try to get into the chorus, then you're not even at the bridge yet because you don't know, half, or am I halfway through the bridge? Because some of these bridges hang like this and the songs go like, like, like oh, no, you know. And I'm, unfortunately, I've been kicked out of the choir when I was in grade eight. You know, so if I can't sing it in the shower, then I forget the words. Anybody like that? You know, you think like, wow, people are getting so difficult that, that you'd have to focus so much on the song that you can't even worship. But that's why some of these hymns are just so amazing, yeah? How great thou art. Sure. Well, you can just sing, you know, you can just like, not against the new type of songs, but there's just so much entertainment. And we forget the centrality of the cross. Now, next week, I'm very excited. Pastor James, in the morning service here, he's going to launch um, his songs that he wrote. Okay, it's all about the cross and holy love. So he's going to take the whole service, and we're going to just worship together, and he's going to share a bit with, with us, our, our worship pastor, on that. So don't miss next week. Okay, he's launched this EP. I still don't know what an EP is, but, but it's uh, something like a CD. Okay, so, but you can get it for free. Um, and so... Next week he's going to share with us. But so beautiful when you worship the Lamb. Revelations 4, Revelations 5. Can I get an amen? When we get tired of that, we're in trouble. I remember when we were in Bloomhoff, one day I was like, really, I, I needed to preach and I was really not less for preach. Some people think like the pastor is always, he wants to preach. You know? But um, so I was a bit discouraged and there was just a lot of people that came and, you know, people that said bad stuff and all that stuff. And so... So I went up, and just before I needed to go and preach, this little nine-year-old boy walked in. He came straight to the front, went to stand there, and he, and he, he just, I was in the worship, and he was going like, Pastor, Pastor, I, I need to tell you something. I said, no. Uh, and I thought like, why are you interrupting me in worship, you know? I'm worshiping the Lord. He says, I, I just want to tell you, you need to give your burdens to the Lord. I thought like, ooh, <laughs> you know? Don't you know, I've got a ring, I'm the pastor, you know? And I just kept quiet. He says, because when I came into the church, somebody greeted me at the door, right there at the door. And when I looked down, I realized this guy's barefoot, and I saw the holes in his feet. So don't worry. Jesus is here. I just wept. I just, I, I, just, I just couldn't hold myself. Now I need to go and preach. And I thought, like, what do you preach about after this? It's just because I looked in his hands and I saw the holes in his hands. We're going to recognize him by the holes in his feet, the holes in his hands. The lamb that was slain. Do this in remembrance of me. Do this for the sake of unity. That's what he's fighting about. He says, these are the different groups. This must stop. 
Because when you come into agreement about what Christ has done and who Christ is, that's why worship is also praise is so important. Because we come into agreement to say who he is. The third thing that communion is about is proclamation. You proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So yes, you come with thanksgiving, you come with remembrance, you come to this table of the Lord because there's so much freedom of what he's given you. Thank you for that yawn, hallelujah. Proclamation, yeah? Proclamation. I proclaim the Lord's death. It becomes so real because I'm an eternal being. I'm, I'm just passing through. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're just passing through. This is not your home. This is not your home. Just remind them quickly. You know, the first church greeted each other by Maranatha. 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 Lord, come soon. They didn't say hello or goodbye. They said, Lord, come today. Come today. There was an urgency by which they lived. They proclaimed the Lord's death until he comes. We're just passing through. We're just eternal beings. We're waiting for a greater home. We're on our way. We're just pilgrims. We're just, we're just passing through this life. Doesn't matter what's around you, you're just passing through. But we forget that because we get rooted into the world. We let the cares of this world, the cares of ministry, the cares of your business, all that cares. Oh, it weighs down on us. The cares of your health, a lot of stuff weighs down on us. And then God says, hey, proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Then another part of communion is examination. Examine yourself. That's why it says when you come to the table, don't come in an unworthy manner. It doesn't say, hey, you're not allowed to come if you feel unworthy. It's just the way you come. This isn't just a donut and a nice, let's do it quickly because, hey, I need to get it over because, hey, this isn't like the real encouragement message this morning. No, you have to examine your heart. When you come to church, don't just rush to church. Examine your heart. When you come to small group or other believers, when you gather together, examine yourself. The Bible says, judge yourself. Look at your own life. Look at the condition of your heart and say, God, come and shine your light. Come and shine your light. It's not talking about perfection, but examination. And in the last one, he says, some people get sick. Some people are like out there and they, they're really not because they're doing it in an unworthy manner. But you also, if you already understand God's love, you also understand God's discipline. If you don't know that God will sometimes discipline you, and we spoke a bit about that last week, pruning. He will discipline you because he's looking for fruit. He's looking for fruit. He says, so that you don't be judged later, but you rather take judgment on yourself right now. But the modern gospel says, hey, just God is here for your happiness. God is here for your entertainment. Lord, give me a sign. No sign will be given. Except one sign. The cross of Christ. That was God's final sign. That's what Hebrews 1 says. God's exact image is print of his love. Jesus will not die again on the cross. He died once and for all. And that's so amazing when we come to the Lord's table. That's so amazing when we come to church. Because why we've learned to examine ourselves. We're not just rushing in. Oh, yeah, yeah. Look at worship. Look at worship. High five. High six. Oh, hi, Peter. Hi, you are. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not saying, hey, be like now prune juice people, you know. Ooh, you know. Don't smile in church. 
And if you don't really get into it, no, don't just do like a half mercy, three quarters mercy. No. Not talking about the outward. But you, you're allowing God to bring a freedom into your heart so that you can dance, so that you can jump up and down, so that you can be yourself, so that... No, no, I'm not going to even talk about the rugby on Newlands yesterday. I just saw a bit of it, but, but oh my, you know? There's nothing to cheer about. But in any case, so if you cheer and the Springboks has won or the soccer team or whatever, and you say like, Manchester United. No, no, not Manchester United. Liverpool, you know, and then you go for it, you know? That same passion, you can live with that same passion. But why do we have this like dualistic view in church? I can't like be excited, but when it comes to the soccer, there's always something I'm passionate about. It's because we focus on the outward. So learn to examine, learn to say, God, I thank you. I'm a work in progress. Any work in progress? (laughs) Welcome to the club. (laughs) Welcome to the church. If you want to try and think that this church is perfect, I've got news for you. It's not perfect because you've joined it, and I've joined it. I mean, so, so that's where he starts in 1 Corinthians 11. Then he goes in 1 Corinthians 12, and he talks about the body of Christ and the gifts of God and how it should work together. He says, each one is a member of each other. I can't do it without you. I, I can't have a proper relationship with God without the church of Jesus. And then comes the big one in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I'm going to read it to us and we're going to end with this. Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but I have no love, I've become a sounding brass or a changing symbol. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but I have no love, I'm nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but I have not love, it profits me nothing. Love, love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. Is not puffed up. Does not behave rudely. Does not seek its own. Is not provoked. Thinks no evil. Does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Bears all things. Believes all things. Hopes all things. Endures all things. Love never fails. But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. I grew up. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. And now abide faith, hope, and love. These three things. But the greatest of this is love. Not worldly love. God's love. Because if I look at worldly love, not one of the worldly love qualifies. Love does not parade itself. It's not puffed up. Does not behave rudely. Any anger problems? Does not seek its own. Bank balance is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things. You see, there's a love that God wants to release through the church, but he cannot do that if we don't start with chapter 11. 
And we don't go over to chapter 12 where everyone recognizes, hey, your gifting, my gifting, your life, my life, but we need each other. We submit to one another in the fear of the Lord. Sure. Love never fails. His own love never fails. There's a lot of things that will fail in your life, but love will never fail. When it's God's love. And so the church in, in Acts understood this. The church in the beginning just had this feast. Like I said, the love feast, the agape feast. It was just part of the tradition. So I just want to leave it out there. But if you want to be involved in that, we're going we're gonna to trust the Lord to have a love feast. But I, I said to George and Eugene, the staff is not going to organize that. If you want to be part of that, go give your name up at the foyer and say, I want to be part to organize a love feast for the church. And hopefully it will, if God births it, it will become part of our tradition. On a Friday night or on a Saturday night, we'll just bring food together. We'll just eat together. Because eating is very spiritual. And then we open it up for the poor, for people in the church just to come. Not an agenda, just to feast together. It's called a love feast. And in that context, the church became the church. Because it's not about what I get. The greatest privilege is to give. To come and sit at the table. I've got a place and there's a place for you as well. And so I'm going to ask the ushers to bring the elements. In First Corinthians chapter 10. Just the next slide, the last slide, it talks about this. Because he talks about the cup of blessing. He talks about the spiritual participation. That's the word, fellowship, quenonia. True fellowship is around the purposes of Christ, the love of Christ, the fullness of Christ. Christ becomes the center of our lives. But he says, I want you to participate. Because even when you sit at the communion table, it's very natural, but very spiritual. Because you not just acknowledge the body of Christ that died on the cross, but you also acknowledge the body of Christ. And you say, Lord, I want to be part of what you're doing. I want to bring my little contribution. I'm not just going to be a spectator. Because God has not called us to live as individuals. He's called us to live in community. He's called us to go and make disciples. To open up our homes. And we have so much to grow We have so many challenges because, hey, we've been conditioned to just live for yourself. But when you start to open yourself up in your small group and say, but you are truly my brother, you are truly my sister. Whoa. We're not just coming together for an event on Wednesday night. You are my brother in Christ. The blood of Jesus begins to mean something else than just a little cup, just a piece of bread. Becomes family. Becomes a life together. Oh, and that's so difficult for us. Why? Because we are hurt. We're broken. We are a broken society. Please don't think we've got a good status in Stellenbosch. We are a very, very, very broken society in Stellenbosch. Because it's all about status. It's not about sharing life together. That's why Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. Thank you for listening. 
Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share. Sing.